This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. Check it out. I just got done practicing four hours to demonstrate the material that I'm about to show you in this episode, where I'm going to show you how you can go from essentially not knowing a jazz standard almost at all to improvising over it at a fairly high level. And there are seven steps I'm going to walk you through that I personally went through today to get myself to this point and certain tools that I use in order to kind of accelerate this process. So I'm really excited about this episode. This is one of those episodes where it's kind of a big, big one. And I really want you to pay attention to this one. It's going to be amazing. Let's dive in and let's learn these seven steps to mastering improvising over a jazz standard. Let's do it. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog and podcast, videos, and a membership, all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. And like I said, this is one of those episodes where you may want to listen to it over and over and over again, and you may want to just put this in a bookmark because this is what I would say is one of those golden episodes that I've spent a little extra time on, a little extra love to bring to you. So if this is your first time ever listening to the show, I mean, you're in for a real treat. If you're a regular listener, thank you for being here. As always, here to deliver as much value as possible to help you along your journey as a jazz musician. So uh, essentially, what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you through a process that normally my LJS Inner Circle members go through in a month in our Jazz Standards Club, which is uh, essentially we study a new jazz standard every single month. And I'm about to bring you through a process and tools that we go through in a month. I actually did all of this in four hours this morning into this afternoon, working on all this material, memorizing this material in order to bring it to you today. The exciting thing is we do this over a month. So even if you have this knowledge, you can start applying this knowledge right away using these seven steps to go from, hey, I don't know this jazz standard to, wow, I really am able to navigate this jazz standard on my instrument and start actually creating musical creative ideas that you yourself are coming up with. So this is going to be fire, about to go into those. But hey, as always, this episode is sponsored by my LGS Inner Circle membership. LGS Inner Circle membership, that's those monthly jazz standard studies I was talking to you about, complete with etudes and exercises and a lot of stuff I'm about to show you today, as well as a uh, premium practice programs and courses, 101 basics courses, uh, the monthly jazz mastermind, which is a monthly Q&A session with me and a really vibrant community of all sorts of instruments, all practicing and working together. So if you want to check that out, join us, uh, go to lgsinnercircle.com, sign up, become a member, and we'll look forward to growing and learning alongside you. All right, let's jump right into the seven steps. 
All right, so this is where we're starting from. We're starting from not knowing a jazz standard that we want to learn, okay? And in my LJS Inner Circle membership this month, we're studying in a mellow tone. So I'm actually going to use in a mellow tone as an example. So either assuming you don't know in a mellow tone, or it's any jazz standard that you don't know. This is where we're starting from, okay? So realize you don't have to know the tune to start going through the processes that we're going through. So step number one is the most obvious step, and that is we're going to learn the melody and the chords. Now, obviously, we can't really improvise over this tune if we actually don't know the melody and the chords, but it's even more powerful than that. It's not just knowing the melody and the chords of the tune. The melody we can use for improvisation. The chords are what we're going to be improvising over. The better we know this tune inside and out, the better we're going to be able to improvise over it. So, um, admittedly, I did know the chords and the melody beforehand. However, this is exactly what I would do to learn this tune. Quickly, we'll go over my list process if you've never heard this one before, and then I'm going to play the melody for you. So, list is an acronym, and it stands for L, listen, I, internalize, S, sing, and T, transfer. So, when we're talking about learning the melody, if there's anything that you should start learning by ear today and you've never learned anything by ear, which is so powerful for improvisation, it's the melody. If you don't do anything else, learn the melody by ear. So we're going to go to a, a Duke Ellington recording and we're going to listen to that many, many different times in the L listen process. And then we're going to listen to as many different versions as we can find of In a Mellow Tone as many different ones we can so we can internalize this melody. So you can go to Spotify, you can go to YouTube, and you can find tons of different recordings of In a Mellow Tone and just listen, 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 listen to the car, listen when you're working out, everywhere you go because you really need to get that melody in your brain. Okay, the second one is internalize, and this is where we kind of get rid of most of the recordings we're listening to and only listen to one. So I'd recommend listening to a Duke Ellington recording of this, right, and his big band because that's the original. So... Only listen to that one and really just focus on exactly how Duke and his band play the melody, okay? And then after you're done that process, you go to the S sing process. So this is where you're going to sing along with the recording or also sing along with a backing track is a really good idea as well to ensure that you know the melody. And yes, you can you can whistle and hum too if you're not a good singer. The idea is to try to get as close to the pitches as possible with your voice, and that kind of proves you can internalize it and you have internalized it. And the last is transfer. And that's where you actually go and you pick up your instrument and you transfer it to your instrument, okay? You transfer that melody to your instrument so you can get those notes that maybe you, you didn't know what they were and then you're going to play it along with the recording so that you know you can play the melody along with the recording. Then I'd recommend getting up a backing track and also playing the melody with that backing track, which is what I'm about to show you uh, right now. But quickly, let's talk about the chords because learning chords by ear is what most people say is the hardest part. And it really does take a lot of time to get better at it and just you know, essentially just doing it over and over and over again until you start recognizing what popular... Uh, common chord progression sound like and it just gets easier. So what I would just say is if you're a complete beginner doing this is just give it your best shot and do the trial and error method. Whether you're a horn player and you're just using arpeggios to find the bass notes and the chords or you're a guitar or piano player and you're actually playing the chords and maybe messing up a lot, but you're slowly trying to figure out the chords. Even if you just get four bars of the chords, that's a step in the right direction, right? And then, of course, just find a chord chart for the tune and double check it, right? See how far you got. 
And it's okay if you have to use a chord chart to get those changes. But regardless, if you use a chart, you do it by ear, you need to have them memorized. This is essential for everything that we're going to do. You have to have those chord changes memorized. You know, practice it one day, the next day, make sure that you still know them, so on and so forth. So now you have the melody and the chord changes. So in my practice session, uh, this is what I did. I played the melody and the chord. So let's take a listen. Okay, so the melody and the chords. Now, if you're a horn player, saxophone, trumpet, what you can do to make sure you know the chords is just play the arpeggios, right? The roots, thirds, fifths, and sevenths going up, making sure you know all those chords. Once you know this, step one is over. We've laid the foundation. We've obviously learned the basics of the tune, but we're going to go way, way, way deeper into this tune in just a second here. So let's move on to step number two. Step number two is we're going to do a chord tone map. We're going to create a chord tone map, practice that chord tone map, and make sure that we have it memorized, okay? Memorization is really important here because we want to have this internalized. So what is a chord tone map? Um, I've talked about this a lot on the podcast, so maybe you're familiar with this. And of course, if you're in my LJ Center Circle membership, you're nodding your head. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And essentially what we're going to do is we're going to just take a simple rhythm, like we're just going to do quarter notes, right? Quarter notes, since it's a 4-4 four, four, uh, time in this tune, and there are essentially four notes in a seventh chord, which are the basic chords here in a mellow tone. And what we're going to do is we're going to go up one chord with the arpeggio and go down the next chord, connecting it to the nearest note, connecting it to the nearest note. We call this voice leading. Okay. Voice leading is when we're not necessarily like playing up one arpeggio and then starting on the root again of the next, right? Because that's not how we improvise. And we really want to internalize these chord changes really well. I mean, if you don't know how to do that first part, just playing the roots, obviously spend time working on this. But the idea is we're going to connect these chord tones together from the nearest chord tone, which means that you may be starting on the third of one chord. You may be starting on the seventh of one chord or the root or the fifth, which means that you really have to know these chord tones, right? So uh, there is a chord tone map that we have that we're studying uh, in the inner circle. And so essentially what I did is I spent time working on this chord tone map. And there's a few different ways that you can do this. So number one, you can just have a chord tone map. Like in this case, I did have one. And you can read it 
and memorize it. Now, that's the approach that I took today because I needed to expedite this process a little bit for the podcast, right? So that's one, is you can just simply read one off of a chart, but memorize it. That's key. Don't just read it and then move on. You have to memorize it so that it's internalized. And then the second thing you can do is that you can actually listen to it and learn it by ear. So that's just more of an advanced step, but it's a great way to go too. Okay, so listen to one that's already provided for you and do it by ear. Now, if you're not in my inner circle or any of that stuff, you can also create your own chord tone map, right? Just using this this concept that I'm talking about, going up one chord tone, up one chord, and then going down the next, but connecting it to the nearest one. Now, let's take a listen to this. I recorded it and I did the chord tone map to in a mellow tone. So take a listen to it. Okay, so that was all by memory, okay? Important that you're not just reading this because that's using a different part of your brain. You want to be memorizing this. And, you know, the next more advanced thing you could possibly do with this is you could use different rhythms, right, than just quarter notes. That's totally fine if you want to take things to the next level. But the reason that we start with chord tone mapping is because when we improvise, we want to be focusing mostly on the chord tones. The chord tones are really what we're trying to do. We're trying to play the changes, as they say, quote unquote. So the chord tones is the greatest place to start. When you do this kind of an exercise, you're going to be navigating those chord tones really efficiently and well, connecting them together like you would when you're creating melodies and improvising. So it's not music yet, right? But we're getting the technical proficiency on our instrument down. We're getting the sounds of the chord tones in our ears by memorizing them, right? And we're starting to be able to find these notes that are so important, okay? So that's step number two. All right, step number three is we're going to create a guide tone map, okay? Step number three is create a guide tone map. Now, uh, first, what are the guide tones in case you don't know? The guide tones are the thirds and sevenths of each chord. Um, so essentially, we had four notes. We had the, those, those chord tones. Now we're going to break it down just to two, the thirds and the sevenths. And the reason the thirds and the sevenths are important is because those are really the notes that change in each quality of chord. So the difference between a major seventh chord and a dominant seventh chord is the dominant has the flat seven, right? So the seventh is changing. And a minor seventh chord between a dominant seventh chord is the third. The third is flatted, right? So when we go across all the different qualities of chords, that's what we really want to be targeting. So resolving our melodic lines to those is important. So it's important that we spend time 
getting to know them so that we can hear what they sound like. The hearing is just as important, but then also identifying those notes on our instrument. So the guide tone map actually works very similarly to the chord tone map where we're going to use the tool of voice leading. We're going to go up one set of guide tones. So on the first chord, we'll go you know up from the third to the seventh. And then we're going to resolve to the nearest guide tone of the next chord. Now, oftentimes if they're moving in fourths, like B flat to E flat to A flat, that's the first three chords of in a mellow tone, then the, the sevenths actually resolve to the thirds in a stepwise motion. It's really nice, just how it works. And there's a lot of that fourth movement in jazz standards. So you'll find that that's often how you voice lead guide tones. But that's not always the case. So either way, you'll want to find stepwise motions from the nearest guide tones, from one guide tone set to the next of the chords. Okay? So I like to go ascending and then descending, just like we did with the chord tones. Now, again, we're just going to keep things pretty simple. With rhythms, we're just going to do half notes just to keep it really simple, right? Because there's two notes for four beats, so just half notes is going to be just fine. So I practiced this guide tone map, and I memorized it. And here is the result. Right, so that was the guide tone map. Now, again, same situation. Like if you have a guide tone map created for you, then you can just learn it by reading it and then memorize it. Uh, you can also create your own if you understand the concept. And you can also do it by listening to a guide tone map that exists. If there's a recording, learning it by ear. Um, but the important part is memorizing it. Because we're, we're really trying to get these sounds in our ears, uh, like I said, as much as we're trying to get them on our fingers. When you start hearing these sounds so much, and you're going to have to repeat this many times to memorize it, right? When you start hearing these sounds so much, they start to get ingrained. And then we can start connecting our ear to our instrument really well. We've got the chord tones. Now we've broken it down to the guide tones. And you spent a good amount of time. I mean, I did all this in four hours. But, you know, I, I bring people through this process over a month. So just know that. Like, you can space this out, take as much time as you need to learn each tool. So now we have the guide tone map under our fingers, and that was step three. So let's move on. Now that we have that done, let's go to step number four. Step number four is we're going to go through a scale map, a scale map, all right? Now, you guessed it. It's kind of the same concept as the chord tones and the guide tone maps, but essentially what we're going to do is we're going to take basic scales over top of Inamello tone and be able to run up and down those scales but again not just run up and down the scales like if you don't know the scales 
then yeah, you have to work on the scales just so you know how to play them starting from the root and from the end. But actually what we're doing when we're voice leading them is we're really starting on any note of that scale, which makes it really complicated to be quite honest with you. This one took me the longest one to memorize because it really is tricky. And when you start going through this process, you start realizing like, wow, you really have to practice and know the notes, the differences between one scale and the next, like especially if you're dealing with modes like a major scale and then going to a D flat major. What's the difference between the A flat major and the D flat major? These are the things that start to come up when you practice this. And I really can't explain it to you without you just doing it yourself. So when I create scale maps for myself, I always do basic scales. So, for example, the first three chords of Intermelo Tone are B flat seven, E flat seven, and A flat major seven. Or actually, A flat six is kind of really what it is. But the three scales that I would use is B flat mixolydian, because it's a B flat seven chord, E flat mixolydian, and A flat major. Okay, so B flat mixolydian, E flat mixolydian, and A flat major. So, then we go to a D flat major eventually there. So I'm usually using a lot of Dorian and major scales and mixolydian. And there is a diminished chord in here. So I do use a whole half diminished scale as well. But that's pretty much it. Actually, there is one where I did an altered scale for the dominant six chord in this scale map. And that's where you can kind of explore other kinds of scales too. If you want to explore creating different tension and sounds but this can be pretty tricky so it is kind of helpful to have a scale map available to you but as always you can create your own as long as you understand this concept and how to do it you can learn it by ear if you want if you have a recording available or you can use notation but then memorize it memorizing is critical so same idea up and down each scale connecting them together and this is what it sounds like <laughs> So I managed to escape that scale map relatively unscathed, like a few a few flubs there at the end. But, you know, again, I can't explain it to you, but it's so crazy how your ear starts picking up the difference between these scales, even though you're not playing the roots like you're not. Well, you are, but you're not starting on the roots of each scale. It, it really it did take me the longest to memorize and learn this one. But it's really powerful when you actually go through and do this. So again, it, just a basic scale, basic scales. You don't have to do complicated scales, just really basic scales for all of this. Um, so 
you've noticed that the last several steps here are very much so not about playing actual music, right? They're about mapping. So finding the right notes to play over this standard, right? So we know the chord tones, the most important one. And then we go to the guide tones because we want to target those thirds and sevenths. And then we fill in the notes in between with the scales. That's the way I like to think about scales is you're filling in the notes between the chord tones, finding some more options. Now, at this point in the process, you're going to feel pretty liberated. Um, you're going to feel like you really, some magical things start happening. Let's just put it that way. Um, even if you're kind of a beginner, right? So maybe if you're listening to this and you're like, uh, Brent, this sounds kind of complicated. Well, all you really need to do is start going through the process of actually doing it. Because once you understand the concepts, the concepts aren't that hard going forward. And even if it's a little hard at first to get some of these mapping exercises together, if you do this on just one standard, the second standard you do it to is going to be exponentially easier. You'll you'll move the needle in your jazz improv. I mean, there's like zero chance that you won't. So it doesn't matter if you're a little bit more of a beginner. So this part was kind of the mapping exercises, steps uh, th two, three, and, and four. So... Now that we have that out of the way, it's time to kind of move to, all right, we got the notes, we're hearing some important sounds, but we need to start making some music. So step number five is we're going to learn some jazz language. Step number five is learn jazz language. So there's some different kinds of jazz language you could do. Um, you could learn like little licks off of recordings and stuff like that. But actually the ones that I would suggest is learning just one chorus of a solo uh, on this particular standard from a recording or use an etude. Now etudes are great because they are pieces that are composed specifically to teach little lessons over top of these chord changes. So when we create uh, etudes inside of the inner circle, for example, you know, our composer Keelan is creating them so that they're really helping you outline the chord changes because that's what a lot of us are after and getting really essential jazz language. So that can be really helpful to have an etude, but you can just learn it off of recording. And for those of you who are like, hey, I don't know about that. I, I, I really have never learned a solo by ear. So first of all, if you've never done this before, just pick a very easy solo. I, I you know, even if it's not on in a mellow tone or whatever tune you're learning, like Try practicing with like a Miles Davis solo, like Freddie Freeloader is a good solo or So What. You really want to exercise this muscle a little bit and get into it. Don't pick one that's too hard for you. And you can use software like Amazing Slowdowner. Now, again, the there's the other option is if you have an etude, you can most certainly learn it by reading it. And that's what I did. I, I actually learned part of this etude by by reading it. No, I didn't do that on this one. I'm sorry. I actually did not read it. I actually, this is... I, I read the, the scale maps and memorized them, but the etude I actually did completely by ear. But that's because, honestly, it was easier for me to do it that way. But if you're a good reader, sure, that's fine. Just learn it by reading it and memorize it as you go. The, again, the key is you, you have to memorize this because we want this to be internalized. If you're just reading it, you're using a different part of your brain. We want to internalize this and really get this into our ear. Um, so what I did is, in the interest of time, I learned the first A section, the first chorus, essentially. So it's like an AA form is what in a mellow tone is. I learned the first half of it um, and just made sure I could play it up to speed with the backing track. Um, I played it along with the recording that was that we had made of this etude, um, you know, but again, the sheet music worked too. 
The point is, you just want to find some piece of jazz language, preferably at least one chorus of the solo, or you could learn half of a chorus um, if it, it really is just a repeat of the same changes, right? Something that you can learn some new musical information to get inspiration from. So let me go ahead and play this first half of the etude um, that Keelan Dimmick wrote for us and our Inner Circle members. Uh, so I practice this, I memorize this, and this is what it sounds like. Okay, so that was the first A of the etude. It's a pretty great sounding etude, right? There's like lots of amazing jazz language in there. And, you know, you're you're learning actual music now. It's not just playing chord tones like in guide tones. All that stuff is in there, but it's actual jazz language written by a really, really good musician. Or again, if you're learning it by ear from a recording, it's being played by a really great musician. Remember that like I did this in a very short period of time, but you're intended to do all of this stuff over the course of at least a month. And if you need longer, that's okay too. So I usually recommend when you're learning stuff by ear is just to take like the first phrase on a given day, learn that first phrase. And then the next day, learn the next phrase and then review the last two phrases, right? And then do more the next day, right? So just little bits at a time so that you're eventually able to get it all. That's how you do it. But again, you can also read an etude if you have one available to you and memorize it that way. Now, the really cool thing about this is now I am armed with some great musical material and inspiration. I have some really good ideas that I can start working with that not only do I have I built muscle memory on my instrument with, I really got, got those in my ear, even from just like the 45 or 30 minutes that I spent working on it. Like I really and started internalizing it and like of course if i practice it tomorrow and the next day too it would just get even stronger and stronger and stronger but i did repeat it a lot and i really felt like i learned some new stuff that i want to take with me but we have to learn stuff first and that's what this step is for step number five learning a piece of jazz language okay so now that we've done that we need to do a really important part of the process now we need to start creating I always talk about this whenever I talk about building practice plans uh, is you need to add creation into this process. You can't just learn solos by ear because we don't really want to play them verbatim, first of all. And the stuff that you learn from other people is less likely to come out in your playing naturally when you improvise than the stuff that you create for yourself. The stuff that you create for yourself is the stuff that really is internalized and that is coming out of you. So... What I like to do is I generally like to try to compose a solo over a tune, right? I mean, this is if we really want to learn this tune and get become great improvisers over this. Do all this stuff. So step number six is I'm going to compose my own solo, my one chorus, just one chorus. And in this case, since I only did half of a chorus for the etude, I, th I thought to myself, you know, I'll just do, I'll compose the other half. 
So I composed the second A of an Amelo tone, but I would recommend you know composing one whole one yourself. And if you're like, Brent, I don't know how to compose. Well, first of all, you don't have to write it down. It's the same process as you just slow the improvisation process down. You just take your instrument out and you go, what do I want to play over this first chord? What do I want to play over the second chord? What do I want to play over the third chord? And how do I tie those in to make a melody? And here's the thing. You have some tools available to you. You have the chord tones. You have the guide tones. You have the scales that you learned. You also have all the musical information that you just learned in that etude. So there's, And you have the melody. And you have the melody to use. So you should know some things that you can start playing and putting together. And it doesn't have to be perfect. It just have to, has to be something that you're dreaming up. And this is a lot of fun to do, by the way, is to compose your own solo. You really get to take all the time you want. You're not rushed like you are when you improvise. You're just taking the time to dream up what you want to play. Take your time with it. Have fun with it. You know, do the best you can with it. And know that like, if you keep repeating this process on other tunes, you're just going to get better and better and better at building solos. And you're going to keep learning more and more information that you can play over top of the solo. So dream up some melodies. So I took the time and I did compose that second half of In a Mellow Tone. And this is the solo that I came up with. I figured it out little by little, and then I memorized the whole thing so that I could record it for you. So here it is. Okay, so that was my etude I recorded, but I'd like to give you a little bit more context there because, like, I, again, I know that a lot of people, maybe you're worried about this listening. Like, I just don't know how I could create something like that. And yours does not have to be near as good as that, right? Um, it could be better. But I'll show you, listening to it one more time, the different parts of the etude that I took inspiration from. The, the etude that I had learned there's certain areas where I took that information that I had learned and used that as fuel for my solo. So let's listen to it again and I'll point them out. All right, about to hit the top of the chorus. Okay, we're resolving to the thirds there, by the way. Okay, those triplets, I took that from the etude. Little bluesy part. That lick right there, that little altered lick, that is like the exact same lick that I took from the etude. Okay, that little altered lick, I, I literally stole that from the etude, but just added a different ending to it, right? So you see how you can actually create some really cool stuff, but I wouldn't have known how to do that. Well, I know how to play similar stuff, but maybe you wouldn't have known how to do that if you had never actually learned that etude and learned that new musical information. 
But the beautiful thing about this is we're taking that musical information, but we're creating our own version of it. We're creating our own stuff. And in that etude that I composed, I was using the chord tones. I was using chromaticism to connect them, yes. I was using some scale tones in there. I was resolving to the thirds and sevenths, right? Making the chords pop. And I was using some of that jazz language. So just going through this process alone and then memorizing it is really, 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 really going to help you. Okay, so that was step number six. Now, if you're paying attention, I said there were seven steps. So we have one more step. And the last step, step number seven, is to actually just improvise. So, so far, it's all been about learning content and then memorizing it or creating content slowly and then memorizing it. But we do have to practice improvising. Um, and I would recommend doing this a lot. For me, I I just told myself, here you can only do three takes of this. Uh, only three takes of a solo and just improvise. Doesn't matter if there's mistakes in there. That's fine. We just have to practice improvising, all right? And... Yeah, you might not always play the right notes. That's okay. But I guarantee you, if you went through all the steps before, you're going to be improvising a little bit better than you were if you had not done them. So the idea now is let's just practice improvising. And so here's the improvisation that I did. And I think it turned out okay. Okay, so that was my one chorus of improvisation there. Not bad, right? I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it wasn't bad. And, you know, maybe you're listening and you're like, well, that's Brent. I mean, your solo sounded really good. How am I going to get to that level? And the point is, like, I've done this many, 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 many times for many, many years, right? But I'll tell you one thing, though. I didn't really do these steps like I'm showing you today all the time at all. Like, this is something I came up with much later that essentially what I teach you here on this podcast is how to fast track your progress. And so if you go through these stages, through these seven steps, that's how you can start soloing like that, right? But, you know, you can play simple ideas. They don't have to be complicated. They don't have to be eighth note runs, but you can use inspiration from your, your etude you composed. You can use inspiration from the etude you learned. You can use your knowledge of the scales and the chords and the guide tones that you worked on earlier. You can use the melody that you know, right, to really build this solo and just 
play as many times as you want and experiment as much as you want. Feel free to sound bad as much as you want, right? Because that's how you're going to end up sounding good is by just simply trying things and allowing yourself to try things. If you don't allow yourself to try things and mess up a little bit, well, you're going to have a hard time with your improvisation. Okay, so those are the seven steps. So let me go through them. So number one, step number one is to learn the melody and the chord changes. I gave you some tips for how to do that by ear. Um, at least the melody is the one that I would always suggest doing by ear if you do anything by ear. Step number two was to go through the chord tone map. Okay. Step number three is to go through the guide tone map. Step number four is to go through the scale map. Now you've mapped out the entire jazz standard. You got some note choices. Then step number five is to learn an etude or a one chorus of a solo over top of the standard, either by reading and memorizing or learning it by ear and memorizing. And then step number six is you're going to compose your own chorus of a solo. Doesn't have to be written down, just has to be committed to memory. And then finally, step number seven is to improvise, okay? It's not that you can't have been improvising like at other points in the, while you're practicing, but this is where you really spend a lot of time improvising and just experimenting and playing. And then after you do that, you move to the next tune, right? And I, I do recommend doing this over at least a period of a month. Don't try to do what I did and do it all in four hours. Like, you know, because I probably won't remember how to do half of it, you know, in a week or even maybe tomorrow it'll start fading away for me, right? I you need to revisit this stuff and the longer you learn things over a period of time usually the better you're going to retain it and internalize it and it's okay because you're not going to retain it forever right you'll you'll work on the next jazz standard and you'll probably forget what you did but you're constantly building and building and building and learning more and learning more and learning more internalizing more you're hearing more your hearing will expand your hearing will grow and just multiply this and i have some of my inner circle members who have been doing this um, for the last 11 months, doing every single tune. And yeah, you bet that they're improving, right? Because they're doing the work, they're practicing and they're recording themselves, right? Recording themselves, that's a really important thing. And that's essentially what I did for you today. Okay, so that is my seven step process for not knowing a jazz standard and then becoming incredibly proficient at improvising over it. All right, that's all for today's show. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you found that very valuable. And I would encourage you to, you know, revisit this one a few times just to make sure that you got it, right? And to hold yourself accountable to doing it, right? I mean, you don't have to be an inner circle member to do this. I mean, obviously it's really helpful because we provide all the material for you to do this. You can do this yourself. So what I would recommend is just challenging yourself to do this process for one month on one jazz standard that you don't know. Even if it drags on to the second month, that's okay too. All right. But hey, of course, like I said at the beginning of the show, feel free to check out the inner circle, ljsinnercircle.com. We learn a new tune every single month, but there's also courses. There's also a really awesome community and we do live Q and A's. It's a lot of fun. So ljsinnercircle.com is where you can check that out and learn more about our membership. All right, that's all for today's episode today, but we're going to be coming out with a great one next week as always. So until then, happy practicing and cheers. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter.
Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.